That was really the biggest thing for me was when I didn't know something, I just kind of like, all right, I just have to ask. Um, and so that's been the biggest resource. And I think the second biggest resource was kind of having this growth mindset of, you know, if I don't know something, I need to learn it. Every day we go through the motions, doing our jobs, living the new normal and trying to keep it all together. This is The Afterthought, a podcast designed to light your fire as we speak with those who have been in the trenches and dug their way back out. So sit back and relax, because you're not going down this road alone. Hi guys, thank you for joining the first episode of The Afterthought, the podcast where we hope to inspire you guys as you are on your writing journey by giving you people that have been there, done that, and survived it all. With me today is MK Williams. Hello, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, hello, I'm MK Williams. Thank you so much for having me. This is gonna be fun because I could talk about all things book and writing and all that nonsense for hours. So um, (laughs) I'm excited. Now you were one of the first people I wanted to get on an interview because you went from writing your novels to delving into finances and yet I have no idea where that part came through from (laughs) and yet now you have a business and you've started the author your ambition so Mm -hmm. and yet you're about to have a baby so you've got to get it all organized and juggled and everything so the more that that I read I researched you and everything because like I said I fell in love with you with infinite infinite when that came out but the more research I did the more you inspired me and then I was like how did this all come about? So that's my first question. How did you go from, I want to write a book to, I want to help everyone else write a book and help their finances and everything that comes along? <laughs> um, no radioactive spiders. I will say that. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's all kind of like, I was born one day. No. Um, so it kind of all starts from when I was a kid. I was very much in the scarcity mindset whenever I did have any money, like any allowance I could get, any uh, jobs I could do, you know, cleaning up the yard, things like that, birthdays, like I hoarded my money. I don't know why. Scarcity mindset. I mean, growing up, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, And so I think that was some of it. Like I was fully aware, you know, my mom was clipping coupons and there were things I wanted that she said, no, we can't afford that. And I was fully aware. So I think from the financial point, I always had the scarcity mindset. So I just was the money hoarder, which is not always the healthiest mindset to have. Um, I'm the same way. Totally get it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And from the book point of view, I was an only child. So, I mean, I just would just spend hours reading and I love to read. My mom was a huge reader as well. And she taught me to really revere books and authors. So that was how I grew up wanting to aspire to be an author. Um, And so the confluence of those two really came with, um, you know, I graduated college in 2010, a decade ago which was at the time the worst recession, Um, you know, there were just no jobs anywhere. And so that scarcity mindset around money was like, I just need to get whatever job I can get, whatever's going to pay. Like I need to pay off my student loans. So very driven. That led me to Florida of all places, because if you're going to be unemployed, might as well be unemployed in Florida and trying to find a job there. Around a hurricane every year. I mean, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that kind of worked out for that part of the journey. And from the book writing part of the journey, um, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking I wasn't allowed 
to pursue that dream. You know, I didn't major in English in college because in high school, my teachers were very clear to me that, well, you could have gotten an A on this paper if you didn't have so many run-on sentences and you knew how to use a comma. And I'm like, well, you know, I'll take a few points. Um, you know, and it was just one of those things I never really took the time to go back and relearn because I was too embarrassed. And so I thought then the authorities, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. The unknown authorities would not let me major in English and never pursue my dream. And so I just said, well, I'll take the safe route financially. Um, and so I, you know, got the safe job, paid off the student loans. Um, my husband and I met and he was equally financial minded. So we both got out of debt um, by 2012. So we were very aggressive. Nice. And at this point, it's like, well, we had this big goal what's next? <laughs> um, and so, you know, at this point, you know, I'm writing, I'm, I'm writing books, I'm, I'm writing things, but for me, it's more, I just want to see that I can do it. Um, you know, I'm querying agents and I'm trying to take the Stephen King mentality of like, every no is so great because every writer gets so many no's and, you know, it's a badge of honor and I just have to pay my dues and go through that. Um, and around this time, I went to a local author's event um, called a local library. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get to meet a local author. Like I'm super introverted. Like at this point I have not discovered the world of Facebook groups of authors at all. And so I'm like, I'm going to make a real life author friend and it's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about books and I get there and I listen to a presentation and I'm so excited. I'm like, I can't wait to talk to you. Like, uh. um, and I go up and I introduce myself and I say, I want to write a book. And she looks at me and says, you're like, what, 23? Like, what could you possibly have to say? Yeah, yeah. Ouch. She said that to my face. And at the time I was 24. So I was like flattered for a second. And then I was like, oh, that was a burn. Um, so yeah, so that kind of put me on this spiral of like, well, I'm not motivated to write anymore. I'm not motivated to be part of this community. And then that eventually turned into my husband being like, why don't you just self-publish? And I was like, you don't understand. Yeah. Like I can't you want that, that prestige of, yeah. yeah. I was like, no, that's not, that's not how it's done. It's really hard and it's really expensive. And then he was like, okay, well prove me wrong. Like look this up online. And he was right. Um, because around that time, like KDP had actually just launched. Um, so like, even if I looked a year before, it wouldn't have been the same landscape, wouldn't have been the same options. And so that kind of started on this whole journey of, okay, so I'm financially in a good place. Um, so then I was like, okay, well I could publish my books and then maybe my books could become my full-time job because if I can make enough doing that. I don't have this debt hanging over me anymore. So it was kind of this confluence of things and kind of where I see it now with author your ambition and the books and the free courses I'm trying to get out and the videos I'm trying to get out is to help people and like be the help for authors that I clearly didn't have when I got started um, because I know it's overwhelming. And so that's kind of the very start of the journey and then where I am now, but that's, you know, that's the, the bookends of it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things that, that drew me to watching you was you and I came from before the KDP and before the internet authorpreneur mindset had come in. And so there was no small niche for us to get into. There was no, oh yeah, I can just self-publish, no big deal. And, you know, like I tried to self-publish and I had to go through a self-publishing company. So uh, I, I, I got where you were coming from. And so it's like, okay, well, her first book, uh, Nail Biters, was 2015. So obviously she's been in it since the beginning of KDP. So, you know you had it obviously going before that. So it was, it was definitely, okay, this is definitely something I, somebody I've got to 
see if I can get on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you have how many books that are not financially talked about? So I have seven books that are not at all related to finances. So I have nail biters and now architects that are in the project collusion, sci-fi thriller, scary, keep you up at night series. Um, the infinite infinite, which you mentioned, which is a sci-fi adventure yeah. series. So not as scary, but you know, thank you. Thank you. Um, I have enemies of peace, which is like a domestic thriller. Um, the games you cannot win was my chance to be highbrow and literary with my short stories. Um, and then I have my two author your ambition books, which is self-publishing for the first time author and book marketing for the first time author. So that's kind of across the board what I've done on that side of, okay. of my house. Yeah. yeah. So you have, you have the fiction, the nonfiction, the financial, you're just like all across the board, <laughs> which is awesome. I think that it really says something about you as an author that you've been able to do that it gives on the fiction side, you're obviously multifaceted in your creativity and then being able to help other authors with the nonfiction and then help people in general with the finance. Like it's just a well-rounded grouping for having your own business. So I absolutely love that. Now with all the facets that you have gone through, what's your biggest resource that you have had throughout this whole journey? Um, I would say the biggest resource as far as like what's helped me yeah. um, has been Google. I mean, they don't need another thing, but uh, they don't need any more endorsements. But I mean, that was really the biggest thing for me was when I didn't know something, I just kind of like, all right, I just have to ask. Um, and so that's been the biggest resource. And I think the second biggest resource was kind of having this growth mindset of, you know, if I don't know something, I need to learn it. Um, and so even after nail biters, like, I mean, that first manuscript came back red you know, just so, so many grammatical issues. And that was kind of my, like, my, like, super insecure thing, right? Was that, well, I can't be a writer if I don't have perfect grammar, which obviously is not true because you read traditionally published books with errors, you read traditionally published books with no punctuation, like, you know, yeah, the whole book has been thrown out many times, but, you know, that was my insecurity. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take a remedial gr grammar course. And I was in this course and it was a bunch of people who were learning English as a second language. And I was like, mm. this is my native language. And I didn't know any of these things, but I had to do it. And it was one of those things where it was uncomfortable, but it was getting outside of that comfort zone and just having that growth mindset to be like, this part sucks. But on the other side of it, I do feel like I know more, I'm getting better. And I kind of remind myself if I ever find myself getting into like, not a lull, but I'm done one project. I'm not ramped up on the next project. It's like, well, what do I need to learn? What do I need to be doing that's going to help me grow as a person, grow as a writer, grow as a business person? And that's definitely been my go-to. Like, what is it that I don't know? What is it that I'm scared to admit that I don't know? What is it that I'm scared to confront? You know, just kind of like taking that head on um, and just, just bare knuckling it and getting it done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're never too too old to learn something new. And the way as fast as the internet goes, you're never not gonna know something. So yeah. now you're obviously killing it and you're doing great. Uh but is there anything you could feel like personally you could be doing better or that you could have done to make yourself in a better situation with it? Yeah, I mean I look back at the mistakes that I made, you know, with each book that I published. Um I, you know, I was learning and, you know, I am actually re-releasing Nailbiters as a second edition and kind of owning up like 
you know, it was my first pair of bags, my first, it was the first of everything. So that means I got I'm all doing, the mistakes. I'm doing the same thing. I totally yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's what, that's one of the things I do wish, you know, hindsight would have been great if I had been able to do that. Um, I, I also think one thing that, you know, I wish I was better at was my professional career before I left to go full-time being an author um, and, and everything that I'm doing was in marketing and in email marketing. And the last thing I wanted to do when I got home with my precious writing time, business time was to build an email list. I was like, nope, don't do it. I'm doing just fine. Even though like I was being compensated by a company to do this for them. And I knew, I knew the things that I was supposed to be doing and I wasn't doing it. So right now I am like kicking myself in the butt because my email list is teeny, 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 tiny. Um, and that's the one thing everybody says, if you have any kind of online business, um, and authors are included in that because we sell our books through online retail, um, for the most part, you know, you need an email list and that's something I'm still working on. So that is one thing I wish I could go back and just kind of like take five years younger me and just kick her in the butt and be like, get over it and just start collecting emails. <laughs> you need it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's one thing I wish I could go back and redo. Well, let me ask you this because that was my next question. Is that the number one thing you wish you had known when you started the journey? I think, yeah, that's one of the <laughs> biggest things. Um, well, I guess like I knew it, but I was just like, I've got this, you know, I, I'm, I'm hot stuff. Like, I don't need to worry about that. Um, so yeah, I kind of wish that I had taken that more seriously. I also wish I had found podcast sooner. So, you know, my husband and I were very financially savvy. We actually have friends who, you know, launched podcasts that are now very successful in the personal finance space. And we're like, well, we should listen to that to support them. And then, you know, from there we meet other friends and we're like, well, we're going to listen to their podcast to support them. And it was only like two and a half years ago. So like halfway through this journey where I was like, I bet there's podcasts for self-publishing and authors and writing. I should maybe listen to those, you know? And so there's years of information that like I was missing out on and, and just that extra motivation and drive. So I do wish I had found that sooner as a resource because I had a commute every day and I was just listening to top 40 radio and granted it was enjoyable, but I could have been doing a lot more. So. Yeah, I, I use my 20 minute commute for the same thing. So it's yeah. different podcast every day just to keep it mixed up. So now because you switched to podcast, I've got to ask, I saw on your press kit um, where it talked about, um, oh, what was it? I just like totally, uh, the Choose Fi yeah. or Choose Fi podcast. How do you say mm -hmm. that? Choose Fi. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now you are head of publishing. Mm -hmm. That is, did it said you were a regular on it? Did it was it a natural progression or how did that come about? Yeah, so this is one of those things where I will say for anybody who's introverted like I am and who's like I don't know if I should spend the money to go to this conference whenever we can have conferences again or meetup event do it. Um, so my husband, I, again, you know, we're very financially savvy. He found that there was going to be this like camp of money nerds of people who blog about personal finance where he was reading all their blogs and it was going to be in Gainesville, Florida. And we live in Tampa. And he's like, we can just drive up. We can meet these people. It'd be super cool. And I was like, all right, we'll give, we'll give it a try. I mean, if anything else, maybe we'll get some tips for how we can optimize our 401ks and things like that. And so we go. And so we meet these guys, Brad and Jonathan. Now, 
my husband had taken Brad's course at the time it was called Travel Miles 101. And it was all about how you can use credit card bonuses to get travel miles to never have to pay for vacations. And I was oh, like, nice. I'm on board with that. <laughs> so, you know, my husband loved the course he took it. He's like, well, I just want to meet him and just talk to him and say, you know, say thanks and, and all these things. So we go and it was about the time, like a month earlier, Brad had launched this podcast with his friend, Jonathan called Choose FI and it was just starting. And so we were like, oh, you know, these are friends. We should support them. We should make sure we download and listen to every episode. You know, like we, they're good people. Like we have no clue how well this podcast is doing. And then like three months into it, Danielle's like, yeah, we have like 10,000 subscribers. And I'm like, are we friends with people who are internet famous? <laughs> um, and like, apparently it just blew up because a lot of people wanted that advice on how do I manage my finances? How do I handle a budget? How do I, you know, resist the temptation when everybody else is trying to go out and spend money. And I'm just trying to say for the next six months, I just need to pay off this debt. You know, this, all these different mindset hacks too. And so, you know, it really took off the following year, you know, we're, we're all hanging out again and Jonathan mentions, yeah, like, so we have all these podcast episodes, we have the transcripts, we're thinking of turning them into a book and we get them out. And of course me being me, I'm just like, oh, well you could do this. this, this. I'm like, let me write down a 10 page document for you outlining all the steps you need to take just cause like. I'm trying to be a good friend, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, here's exactly what you need to do. And so like two months later, he calls me and he's like, okay, so I finally read through that document you sent me because it was intense. Um, he's like, so can you just do this for us? Like, can you come in? He's like, we'll pay you a royalty, you know, but you know, can you just come in and manage this for us? He's like, I, I don't have the time to manage this and learn this. So can you just do it? And I was like, yeah, I can totally do that. Totally. Like, now I'm going to go Google all the things I need to no, learn because I'm like, well, it's one thing if I make a mistake with my book, I can't make a mistake with somebody else's book. So that was the kind of the genesis of my coaching um, line of my business. And so now Choose a Fi is about to release their fifth title. So I have helped all of them at this point get there. So like you're head of publishing. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'll take that title. Um, so yeah, it's working with the authors. Usually it's like soup to nuts, like concept through manuscript development, developmental editing, proofreading, all the technical setup, design. It's nice because they, as like an established brand, have a bit of a budget so I can, <laughs> I can really get all the nice things. Whereas when I look at like my books, I'm like, I'm not gonna spend that much for a cover, mm -hmm. but it does look really good. Um, so that's been a really fun journey. And that definitely gave me the confidence that I could help other people too, who were just starting out. And so that kind of led to the next client and then the next client. And then by the time I left my job, I was like, I don't know if I have enough clients. And within a month, I was like, I'm busy, I'm good. So it was definitely one of these organic things that happened by happenstance. Like if I had gone to that original like meetup and was just like, yeah, I'm here to like monetize my writing business. Like, no. Yeah. wouldn't have happened. Um, but I think being at the right place at the right time, connecting with people genuinely, and then just offering that help for free. Like I was just like, here's all the stuff you need to do. Good yeah. luck. And then he was like, I'll just pay you to do this. And I was like, yeah, I bet other people might do that too. Yeah. yeah so, I will say no, like, no, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So yeah. So once he made that offer, I was like, I need an exit strategy for my full-time day job because this is going to become a full-time job mm -hmm. and I don't have time for two full-time jobs. I mean, it's crazy that just, and, and I think that's one thing over AuthorTube that we talk about a lot is being your genuine you and just people being drawn to that. And I'll be the first one to say, I am not, 
on the camera the goofiest or the funniest or the wittiest or whatever but you're always gonna get the real me like I don't know how to be fake I don't know how to pander to a crowd like and I love helping people so I, I totally get that mindset and if it if it helps other people great and if it you know you like uh Gary Vee says you know you give 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 and if if the ass comes and it helps you that's amazing but mm -hmm. just keeping on being you and doing your thing a lot of times will draw that in and Absolutely. so that's crazy how that just genuinely came about just organically and allowed you to quit your job and do something you love on top of i mean i'm sure you already loved marketing but you know it's it's a necessary evil more than a love i feel yeah yeah like now i say like you know it's so funny um for some reason my mother-in-law every time we talk to her she, she asked my husband I'm like oh jason you have to go to work tomorrow and i was like i'm going to work she's like yeah but your work's fun you're going to fun tomorrow and i was like yeah that's true right <laughs> so, like, yeah. so you have um kind of switching switching topics you have baby williams coming in november yes do we know yet if it's a girl or boy or are we not finding out we're not going to find out until the baby's born. So it'll be a big surprise. Let me tell you, I did not want to find out to the point I had a blue dress and yellow shorts. Like either way, baby wasn't coming in peak. It was neutral everything. Yes. yes. Just to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, because you have everything across the board, you have this book coming out right around the corner. Um, did you start planning immediately in March or is it just something you already kind of had the finances ready to be able to be okay for? How did that, how'd you figure that one out? Yeah. So financially, I mean, we've kind of been talking about, you know, with the financial independence and, and what number do we need to like say like, well, we have enough saved for X, we have enough saved for retirement, you know, all, all those things. Um, you know, my husband still has a full-time day job. So thank goodness we have health insurance. Yeah. um because that would be stressful if that was just on me um so we kind of knew like well it doesn't really matter what we think our numbers are now like we just don't know until we have kids if we can have a kid who's perfectly healthy doesn't like to climb trees doesn't like to trampoline doesn't like to do any of the things that get kids hurt that they constantly have to go to the doctor or we could have a kid who is like my husband was when he was growing up who jumps off of things and onto things and around things and is constantly going for stitches and you know shots and things yeah. like that so I was like we just can't predict what our savings rate needs to be yeah. um like for, for the long term right. and so we feel like we again having that scarcity mindset of our money we're like we're pretty good at hoarding like we're, we think we should be good for this and I will say seeing the medical bills starting to come in even with health insurance I'm just like I don't I don't get how people do it without a bunch of savings and health insurance, but I am yeah. so grateful we have both of those. Um, so yeah, so we started to talk about that. Um, we even started to talk before we got pregnant, like what would that look like for my career? Like as you know, this business is starting to do well, like what does that just mean that everything else goes on hold just to focus on the business? Like I don't think so. I think it needs to be a balance. So we started to talk about it in March and then now that it's getting closer and it's much more visible <laughs> the baby's coming, I'm like, okay, I need a plan in place. So kind of modifying some of my offerings. So even last week, um, you know, just switching it to say my coaching clients are now on wait lists. So, you know, the people that I'm coaching, I will continue through, but I'm going to have that wait list going for now just because it wouldn't be right to take more on when 
I am not necessarily going to be at my best. Um, yeah. Pregnancy brain is a thing, yeah. so. Yeah, or just like newborn baby, like screaming, crying, not sleeping. Um, I was like, that's not going to be the best time for me to do a consult. Um, so kind of changing some of my offerings in the short term. So even between now and November, you know, people, I can still coach them. I can still help them. It's just not going to be my long-term packages. Um, starting to figure out, well, how would I pre-schedule content? So that way I'm still serving people. I'm meeting them where they are, but I don't actually have to have my butt in the chair. Um, and that's kind of been a big question I'm asking repeatedly to myself of like, okay, this is something that adds value to people, but my butt has to be in the chair to do it. So like, what can I do to automate this, to do something where it's more passive so I can still get value to people? Um, and I still always, always want to focus on the value I'm providing to aspiring authors because I don't ever want people to feel like they're just kind of getting something that's pre-recorded, even if it is, but feeling like they're getting value. But then that's also protecting my time for family stuff or just the things that will naturally come up that I just don't even know will come up yet. So that's been the focus of late. So I've been spending a lot of time in Hootsuite and the Facebook creator studio, just pre-scheduling things where I can. And now starting to go through and figure out, well, what's going to be um, the things that need, need to get done before the baby arrives and what can be the let it go list. Yeah, you caught me when you were on, uh, when you did your last stream announcing Baby Williams, and you were like, so I've done batch videoing, so I'm like, I think she's had this plan, like, okay, here's my to-do list if I ever get pregnant, like, we're gonna batch record this, we're gonna batch do this, but it makes so much sense, first off, I mean, especially you're atypical like me, like, let's have a to-do list, let's get it done, mm -hmm. but then because you have so many facets, you you can tweak some things but not others so considering you have the finance and the books i'm like how is this girl going to be able to quit writing or coaching something like i think yeah. you're going to go crazy sitting at home like, <laughs> yeah like maybe here and writing here <laughs> That's what people have told me. I've talked to, so I, you know, try to join even some of like the local entrepreneurship groups for people who aren't authors just to kind of like talk business. And so one woman I talked to said she took six months for her maternity leave and it wasn't long enough. And another woman I talked to said, she's like, I took six weeks and I was bored out of my mind. And I was like, well, I'll probably fall somewhere in between the two. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things I'm trying to do now is just get everything set just because I, I know like really around like 36 weeks, like baby could come at any time. I know my yeah. first baby, like statistically more likely to come a bit later than early, but I was like, I would just love to just sit and read and write for those last couple weeks when I'm nesting. Um, and yeah, just have that done and feel like, okay, the first priority is going to be getting my next fiction book out and then adding things back on as they make sense. Um, time-wise financially things like that so I'm kind of open to the unknown right now but my YouTube videos are scheduled through January there you go um they will not be timely if, if things happen if like KDP explodes like I'll talk to you in March <laughs> but um everything everything else there's done so yeah I think yeah being that organized person with a to-do list that helped me to figure out quickly what can I pre-do what can I not pre-do and this ruthless prioritization from there. Well, I wish I could give you tips as a mother, but my pregnancy and my birth experience was so out of the norm, it wasn't even funny. So, can't help you there, but as far as the crazy kids, you know, when they get started running around, let me know if you need some advice. Because <laughs> I'm the mother of a gymnast, so the jumping, oh, the running. Yeah, thank God we've oh. never had to go through 
the medical, she's pretty safe when oh, she lands. Yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> Aerodynamically yeah. sound, but you need to need advice after that. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. What have we not talked about? What do we need to talk about? Uh, so kind of jumped around because you answered so many questions for me that I had for you. Um, okay. What is one, what is the most important piece of advice you would give to either the 10 years younger version of you or just somebody starting out that has nowhere to go, no way to know where to go? Yeah. I'd say for the person who's just starting out, um, and like truly starting out, like, I know I want to be an author, like just start writing and you have to write every day. And there's a reason why every author gives this advice in some way or another, like the words won't get written if you don't write them. Um, and it's kind of that idea of like half of what you write is probably not going to be good. And it's probably not going to make it into the final draft. So like you better write every day. So that way you have enough collected that you can cut and you can edit. Um, it's, it's just start writing. Um, and it's having that, like, just ask the question. Most of the time, you're not going to meet the person I did at the library that one time. You're going to meet somebody who is so excited to share this knowledge with you and to tell you, like, I have found that the authortube community, the self-publishing community has been so welcoming and so, so wanting to give to others um, that I would say anybody starting out is like, just ask just put yourself out there and you'll be surprised how quickly people are like, well, I can do this. I can do that. I can help you here. Go here, go here. Um, you will have more information than you will be able to process um, right away. But I, I, I do wish like I could even tell myself that 10 years ago. I was like, don't believe the person who's going to be negative because that's their problem. Um, and that's interesting because like from a work point of view, I always knew when like somebody was being difficult with me from like a customer service point of view, I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. This has to do with like their crappy day they're having. But like I couldn't somehow contextualize that with this person being really negative to me um, about writing. I just was like, oh, this means I should never be a writer. Um, it hit your passion point instead of just your head. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So I do wish I could go back and tell myself, like most people are going to be kind and helpful and focus on that. Um, and that'll take you far because just asking, just ask for help. Just it's there. People, people want to help each other. Um, and there's so much great information out there and so many great people out there. Um, don't, don't hold yourself back. Very true. Very true. I, uh, I had my first book, uh, come out four months late because I couldn't format one page correctly take an excel uh and format it and I finally gave up and was like put it on twitter can anybody help me I'll pay you 10 bucks I need one page done and this swarm of people that came my way was just humbling honestly like they didn't know me from Adam and it was it was a really nice thing so I I love this mm -hmm this feeling of community that we have it's yeah. definitely helpful and you have the the author your ambition when you get back so you can do the coaching yeah. and the the yeah. formatting so yeah i'll be i'll be excited to get back to that it's always fun and i always get so excited to go from like talking to an author who's like i don't know like there's so many books on this topic and i'm like there can be another one like there's so many books out there on every topic, like the way that you say it's going to be different. And so like to see them at the end where they're like, I'm holding that book, it's happened. And I was like, it just, it makes me really happy. And cause I can only write so many books a year. So I kind of get to live through them with all their launches. And I'm like, it makes me feel like I'm launching all the time. And it's just happiness. <laughs> um, now who's somebody that's been the most influential 
either throughout the process or any certain point in your life as far as your writing and your goals? Yeah, I would say as far as my writing and my writing style, um, I was raised to be a big Stephen King fan. Um, my mom had no trouble putting, you know, his books in my hands when I was maybe too young to read them and I had nightmares. Um, so I've always really appreciated his, his style, um, just the way he really delves into characters. Um, and I think he gets mislabeled too often as just horror. I mean, some of his books are definitely in the horror genre, but he has a lot of really great, you know, sci-fi speculative stories because they really just focus on characters. So he's been the most influential from writing style. I would say from the business point of view, like Joanna Penn has been huge. Um, when I found her podcast, I was like, what? What was I missing all these years? Just because she's so good at focusing on business side of things and like mm -hmm. educating yourself, being aware of all your rights, being aware of all the different platforms you can be on, you know, really treating the business like a business. And so that's when I started to make bigger leaps and bounds with my businesses when I stopped treating it like a hobby and just like, well, it's okay if, you know, it doesn't do well, it's just for fun. And I was like, oh no, if I treat it like a business, then but I was still able to retain what my goals were and stay true to me. Like I thought some people would just say, well, if you treat it like a business, you just have to hack KDP and here's all the things. And I wasn't into that. So it was nice to hear from somebody who was talking about treating the business like a business, but for long-term growth. And so that was very influential to me to try to figure out, well, yeah, how can I have long-term sustainable income as a writer? So that was huge. And I feel like you can see that even in your YouTube videos, because once I found you, I, like I do with everybody I love, I will go back and watch from the beginning, from when you first started. Because yeah. I want to see how the person has transitioned and grown for the same reason I'm doing this podcast. Like, I want to see where yeah. you were and how you overcame and, and things that have changed um, into who you are today. And you can actually see that you went from just standing in front of a bookcase talking to having your own little office and and having the same bookcase but in a different position and just yes. <laughs> even carrying yourself differently and you could tell that you got a little little more personal in in caring about what you were talking about not that the, the advice wasn't great to begin with but mm -hmm. i don't know you you could tell that mental business switch had happened it, yeah. if, if you know what to look for, you could tell it happened. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's when I was like, I got to stand up and get to know more about this girl. Like she, I love her books, but, and she's obviously doing multiple things. Um, I noticed that when you did the, the nonfiction, but then to know that the nonfiction books had to do with your author, your ambition was like, okay, now I'm really curious about this girl. Like, and, and so having, had a kid myself like I was like okay how is she gonna juggle all this like I have to ask I have to know <laughs> uh, so yeah it's it's truly been a a journey watching your journey uh, because we are so similar in trying to go from something you love to that business mindset and I wish I had the organicness that you did to transition into doing that and being able to quit but that is the goal for myself. So, um, but I do have to ask what, because you have went from full-time business to, or full-time job to working and having a business and doing what you love. What is the biggest misconception or myth that either everyone has about the writing that you just wish would totally be extinct 
or about the transition from the workforce to doing what you love for yourself? I think the biggest myth that's out there about transitioning from workforce to like just full-time doing what you love is that you need to have some kind of like six-figure bananas business and that if you don't reach that crazy you know, figure within like a month that you're somehow a failure. So this is one of the things I've like recently started to like notice as like a trend. And I, I can't stand it. It's like these podcasts that are out there that are like, I sold a million books in one day and here's how I did it. And I'm like, okay, well, you've been working on your podcast or your email list for a decade plus, like you have hundreds of thousands of subscribers on there. You paid $10,000 for your, ad. like, it's all these things that aren't in there. And then an aspiring author listens to that and they're like, well, I've had my book out for a year and I haven't sold that much. I must be a failure. Um, and so that's one of the things I don't like, I mean, I understand why a lot of podcasts and YouTubers put that out there because that's something you're like, oh, you have my attention. Watch me. Uh, watch <laughs> me, you know, the, the clickbaity thing. But I feel like it's not organic and it's not representative of reality, right? I mean, and for so long, I was in that mindset. I was like, well, I have to be making, I don't know, like six figures off my royalties if I wanted this to be a full-time job, which is ridiculous because I never made six figures in my day job, you know? Um, and it was like, okay, like I make an income now. Like I make a salary. It's not bananas. It's not bonkers. I'm not going to be buying a yacht anytime soon. Certainly. Um, I still shop at Walmart and Goodwill. Um, but I was probably going to do that anyways. You know, it's, it's having more realistic expectations for what's the money I need to live on. Um, and also kind of trusting the process. So there's a certain amount of risk that goes with that. And there's never going to be a point where you're like a hundred percent, everything's good. I'm guaranteed that everything's going to keep going this way every month. And therefore I can leave my job and just do this full time. Like when I left, I wasn't making fully what I wanted to every month, but I was like, but I cannot grow if I still had this day job. Um, and so that first week I was like, what did I do? I can't write a book a week. And I'm, you know, I didn't get any like new, like lead prospects that week. And I was like, Oh no. And then the next week I was like, okay, well I just signed two more clients in one day. Like, and just realizing it's not, it's, it's a roller coaster. Um, there is a bit of a blind blind leap of faith that you have to mm -hmm. take. Um, but it's also realizing like I had parameters around it. Like my husband, and I sat down and we said, okay, if after this many weeks, exactly 52 weeks, one year, exactly. If finances aren't here, if this isn't here that I need to go and try to find a job, but now we've said we've tried it. And so it was planning ahead for that. Um, I think a big misconception is that if you leave the workforce, you can never go back. You can totally go back. <laughs> they'll still need people. Um, now, obviously right now with everything going on, um, that wouldn't be the best time to realize, oh crap, I need a job. Um, but there's always more that you can do. There's always more to be made. Um, and so I think the big misconception is that, yeah, like you have to be making all your money in one bucket. Like, no, you need to have multiple streams of income. And that means you need more time to do that. You need multiple buckets. So um, yeah, the whole idea of this clickbaity, I sold all these books and then you said, I did it. And I'm like, okay, but you spent half that on your ads. So sit down and be quiet. <laughs> yeah. It's what they don't tell you that is the important stuff. And, yeah. and I feel like so that's, that's glanced over. I'm like, oh, yeah. And, and that's kind of the whole point of this podcast because I don't, I want no, no BS barred. I want to know how you did it. You know, whether it was like with you organic or whether it was, blood sweat and tears literally like <laughs> i i want to know what what can help 
new writers and struggling writers get to where they want to be like that is that is the intent that is the goal of this podcast forever and i don't want i don't want that clickbaity like here's what i did but i'm not going to tell you what i didn't do so that's that's why i think you uh you've moved basically halfway across the country you've taken this this leap of faith and I will probably be asking you within a year when I take that leap, like, okay, how long did it take you to freak out? Yeah. Cause that is Two my hours. goal. <laughs> <laughs> that is my goal is to take that leap of faith and, and have everything set up within this year. Cause I moved halfway across the country and did the same thing. So yeah. you're, you're definitely going to be on my radar. <laughs> good. No, definitely tell me when that happens. We'll celebrate. It'll oh. be good. Yeah. It's, it's so exciting. Now, yeah, no, I freaked out yeah. on the first two hours of like that first day at home where I was like just working from home and I was like, <laughs> what did I do? Yeah. Now, when you came out with your first book, um, you were still working full time then, right? Mm-hmm. So what was the first book that came out after you had quit your full time job? Yeah. So the first book that came out after I quit the full-time job was The Infinite Infinite. So that was the first book where I it was actually the first book that didn't come out on a yearly basis. So I had released a book a year while working full-time 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018 comes around and it's like crickets, which obviously was not good. That's what I was going to ask about what happened that year. Yeah. So that was the year where, you know, choose FI approached me about helping with their books. So I was doing a, a lot of my book time that I had outside of my day job to work on my books was now dedicated to helping that book come out. So um, I was working on the infinite infinite. I was working on the manuscript, but once I left my day job, I was maybe like 50% done the manuscript. And I was like week one, I was like, I'm finishing the first draft. And my husband was like, you know, you don't have to rush it. I was like, I'm finished. I got, <laughs> um, so yeah. So the infinite infinite came out, I would say pretty quickly after I left my day job because I suddenly had time to get it done mm-hmm. it was great um so yeah that was the first book to come out from my full-time um position and then i released the author your ambition books this past winter and architects will be coming out this fall so definitely yes. improving the speed of my production is it still ske- still scheduled for uh september 15th yep yep so architects will release september 15th I'm super excited. Um, I can't wait for everybody to read it. It's interesting. One of my ARC readers, so they got to read it early. They sent me an article yesterday and they were like, did you know this was happening? And I was like, nope, but I'm glad that I'm inside your mind. <laughs> uh, with like some of the speculative fiction and kind of, you know, conspiracy theory stuff. He's like, I just read this article and it freaked me out. And I was like, good. <laughs> I love the craziness of the covers. Like, I think yeah. they go very well with the genre of the book and yeah like i haven't read those they're on my tbr but (laughs) i mean the infinite infinite was so amazing and you can definitely tell um your writing style is a little stephen king-ish like the the characters were so well developed so thank you i I can understand that you saying that now yeah Um, yeah thank you it, it was very gwendy's button box for me like okay it was not like horror like you're talking about nail biters was or anything but it was very delving into the character getting into their head um while keeping the story going so it was it was very nice i can't wait to for the series to keep going you know yes 
<laughs> that is, yes. Yeah, so that is the, the manuscript. I, I'm trying to finish draft one before the baby arrives. So that's, that's the, like the hard deadline. That's the final item that has to be done is I have to get the sequel to Infinite Infinite written draft one before the baby arrives. Well, you need a critique partner, beta reader. You know, I'm all here for that. I'll let you know. I will definitely, <laughs> well, I'll be putting stuff out everywhere so you'll be able to sign up if I don't see it again. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, now, this is going to be something I'm, I'm starting off with you, and I'm going to keep, this is my own little signature question. What is your favorite book that has been adapted into a movie, and which did you like better? Ooh, this is a good one. My favorite book that's been adapted into a movie. <sighs> like, it's every author gets asked if what's their favorite book, but I want to know what's the favorite book that's been adapted into a movie and did which one you liked more so i have um i'm a big fan of margaret atwood so i really liked the this the tv adaptation they did for the handmaid's tale i thought they did a great job with that um i thought the first season was very true to the book which i liked um but it was very real and i've liked how they've taken it since then um i will say my favorite movie or i guess tv adaptation where I did not like the book was the man in the high castle. Like I thought the man in the high castle was awesome. Like the, the show that came out with like Amazon prime, like I thought they did a great job with it. And then I was like, Oh, I should read the book. And I was like, I did not like the book. I am so glad I watched the series for the book. Cause if I read the book, I never would have watched the series. Um, so that was definitely an inverse case where it's usually the book is always going to be better than the movie. Always. Um, but there's, there's been two cases in my existence where the book has been, horrible compared to the movie Forrest Gump is the other one if you didn't know Forrest Gump was originally a book don't waste your time reading it just watch the movie yeah there there's definitely a couple like that yeah um now where can obviously you're you're going to be having a baby so this is kind of a a weird question to ask right now because you're batching and getting ready to take a vacation but where can people be researching you and getting ready for when you come back? Where can they find you? <laughs> yeah, so I'm everywhere on social media as at the number one, one MK Williams. Um, I used to say it's because I'm the one MK Williams, but then I found out there's a dude author named MK Williams. But you'll know it's me because I'm a lady. Um, so one MK Williams, that's like the social media. And then I also have Author Your Ambition. So authoryourambition.com at Author Your Ambition on Twitter and Instagram. So um, you can find me on both of those locations. Usually I cross promote. So if you find at one MK Williams, you'll very easily be able to find the other. Um, I'm still doing one-on-one -on -one consults between now and November. Um, like just last week, I had three people who were like, I am about to upload everything and I'm super nervous. Can I call you? And I was like, yes, just schedule time on my calendar. Um, we can do that. So between now and November of 2020, um, you can absolutely still do consults with me. And then I'll probably be opening everything back up and like early to mid January, 2021. So in the meantime, there will be videos all over YouTube's, my weekly updates. Um, and then of course my books, um, you can find one of kwilliams.com, authorambition.com, easy links from there. Yeah. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, all the links are down in the description below. I will research and find every single one for every single book I can find. Um, and then if you're listening to the podcast, uh, we will have that in the show notes for to come to, to the YouTube page so you can be able to click on all those really easily. So um, 
is there anything before I let you go that I didn't talk about that you think is important for authors to know? Mm. Oh, so this is one thing I like to always tell new authors, like, and to remind them is that as an individual reader, like you read more than one book in your life. So like your other authors aren't your competition. Um, that is one thing I notice about new authors is they're like, I don't know, like I promote them and they're not gonna promote me. I'm like, no, they'll promote you because they can't write enough books to keep their readers happy. So they want their readers happy. So they'll cross promote you. So just remember, you know, other authors are not your competition. They're your community because people read and they need more than one book. So. All right. As a good way to end this. Thank you for joining me. I have had a ton of fun and I can't wait for book two to come out. Like I said, you, you want, you want some beta readers, arc readers, whatever you want. I'm here for yeah. you. Congratulations on the baby. I, I can't you. wait to see baby pics around yes. Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that's all I got for you today. I'll let you go now. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, this has been really fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview and there are many more to come. So make sure you hit that like and subscribe button if you're on YouTube and make sure you follow this podcast, the Afterthought Podcast, for more authors and entrepreneurs and all of the like and see how they went through the trials and tribulations in their life and made their life a success. If you'd like to be a guest, make sure you hit all of my links down below and I will have them in the show notes as well to get a hold of me or you can simply email theunknownseries at gmail.com and ask anything you'd like or tell me a little bit about yourself and things you've overcome to get to where you are now. With that said, I will have this podcast going every month. So until the next episode, guys, this has been the Afterthought Podcast, and thanks for joining. Bye now.